ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so we have reached Which section? The final supplication in the prayer? At-Tahiyyat we finished or not? Okay, so we were going through the final sitting and the first part of that is the recitation of At-Tahiyyat and we began speaking about that last time about the meaning of At-Tahiyyatu Lillah. And we mentioned at the beginning of it that At-Tahiyyatu Lillah refers to all of the words of praise. All of the words of praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of that which indicates the greatness of Allah. Then that is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As-salawat, all of the salawat for Allah, all of the obligatory prayers, the five obligatory prayers, the Jum'ah prayer, all of the other supererogatory and optional prayers, all of those are for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At-tayyibat, they are the lofty, the high attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of the goodness that Allah is described with, because as it mentions in a hadith, إِنَّ اللَّهَ طَيِّبٌ لَا يَقْبَلُ إِلَّا طَيِّبًا That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is tayyib, is good, and does not accept anything unless it is good. So at-tayyibat refers to that. And then, As-salamu alayka ayyuha nabi This is then, the reference to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, meaning that the peace and the safety and security of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon him, and that the salam also be upon us, the righteous servants of Allah, ala ibadillahi salihin, and that includes all of the righteous servants of Allah in the heavens and in the earth, uh, meaning even the angels, all of the righteous servants of Allah, may that uh, salam be upon them. Then at the end of it you say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Again there is a testification, a testification at the end uh, of the tawheed, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ That I bear testification, none has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah, and that Muhammad is the servant and messenger of Allah. This is the message of Tawheed which you find throughout the prayer, throughout all of your forms of worship. And so this, in brief, is that opening section that you would recite when you first sit down 
in the sitting, in the tashahud. There are other forms of it that are slightly different. There are some different forms of it. For example, At-Tahiyyatul Mubarakat, Al-Salawatul Tayyibatul Lillah. Assalamu alayka ayyuhin nabi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. So at the beginning, At-Tahiyyatul Mubarakat, Al-Salawatul Tayyibatul Lillah. In another narration it mentions uh, that Ibn Abbas said the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to teach them with that beginning, At-Tahiyyatul Mubarakat. And in other narrations, At-Tahiyyatu As-Salawatu Lillah. At-Tahiyyatu At-Tayyibatu As-Salawatu Lillah. So you have some slight variations in the wording of it. And they are acceptable and they are mentioned in the various ahadith. Then, the third and the fourth raka'ah is going to be done exactly the same. There's one issue to talk about here, the famous issue that everybody always talks about, al yadain. When are you supposed to raise your hands? There are four times in the prayer when you're supposed to do al yadain. Four times in the prayer when you do the raising of the hands. The first is Takbiratul Ihram, Allahu Akbar. The second one, when you're going to go to Ruku'ah, when you finish reading, Allahu Akbar into Ruku'ah. Third one, when you're coming out, Samihallahu liman hamida rabbana wa lakal hamd. And the fourth one, after the tashahud, when you finish your second raka'ah, you finish the tashahud, you're going to get up now, there's a takbir there, and there's a raising of the hands there. So four times where those raising of the hands occurs. Uh, and then the rest of the prayer is prayed exactly the same as before. And now the only time what remains different is the final tashahud. In the final sitting, you're first going to read the tashahud like we just did, normal. Then after that is going to be the other recitations that you need to do in the last part of the prayer. Before we get to those, there is something else to discuss about the last sitting as well. About how you sit in that last sitting. How you sit in that last sitting of the prayer is different to how you sat in the middle sitting of the prayer. The final sitting is different. So in the final sitting, there are different ways in fact. There are different ways mentioned in the sunnah that you can do. One is that you sit on the floor on your, on your buttocks, on your rear, you sit on the floor on your buttocks, on your rear, and your left leg under your body, so it's like under your thighs. Your left leg is under your thighs, and your foot will come out from under your right shin. Everybody can imagine, the left leg is under your body, you're sat on top of it. It's right under your body. 
in between your thighs and your buttocks, under you. And it's coming out from the right hand side where your right shin is going to be, from out of your right shin, from under your right shin. And of course your right foot is going to be propped up. So your right foot is propped up, it's going backwards, your left foot is coming under your body and through there, under, under the shin, coming out from under the shin over there. That's one way. There is a second method which is mentioned by some of the scholars, which is that you do exactly the same as that one, but you don't prop up the right foot. You put it down flat. Leave the right foot down flat and the left one normal under, out through the shin or under the shin. So the only difference between number one and number two is, number one, you prop up the right foot. Number two, exactly the same, but you leave your right foot flat, not propped up. There is a third method as well. What's the third method? Hmm. Possibly, but there is another method different as well. Keeping both feet not propped up. In this last sitting, the position is known as a tawarruk. That is the name of the position when you put your foot under your, your body and you're sitting on your buttocks. That is how you do it, but there's a third way of doing it, which is that yes, you don't prop up either foot. You do not prop up either foot. تُخْرِجْ الرِّجْلَيْنَ أَثْنْتَيْنَ مِنَ الْيَمِينَ وَتَضْجَعْهُمَا لَكِنْ تَجْعَلْ الرِّجْلَ الْيُسْرَ بَيْنَ السَّاقِ الْيُمْنَ وَفَخِذِيهَا So, no foot is propped up. Normally your left foot comes and comes out from under your right shin. Your right shin is going to be there, your left foot is under your body coming out. In this third one it mentions what you can do is the left foot doesn't come out under your shin. It comes out on top out. So if it's on top of your shin on your calf, it's going to be on top of your calf under your thigh. In between. In between the thigh and the shin. That is mentioned as well. That it could be in between بَيْنَ سَاقِ الْيُمْنَ وَفَخِذِهَا So you're sitting normal no prop up on the foot. But this time instead of the left one coming under the shin, in between the shin and the thigh. That is possible. That is possible as well. So those are all mentioned in the sunnah. There's a hadith in Bukhari. No, all of these are authentic. These are all allowed. All of these are authentic. They are all mentioned as being allowed. They're in different hadith. For example, in Bukhari, إِذَا جَلَسَ فِي الرَّكَعَةِ الْآخِرَ قَدَّمَ رِجْلَهُ الْيُسْرَ وَنَصَبَ الْأُخْرَ وَقَعْدَ عَلَى مَقْعَدَتِهِ the position number one, it's in Bukhari. That one there is exactly that. Sit down with your right one propped up, with your left one under your shin, uh, coming out from that side, that's in Bukhari there. Muslim, كَانَ رَسُولُ The one about in between the shin and the thigh, here in Sahih Muslim. So one in Sahih Muslim, one in Sahih Bukhari, all of these are mentioned. The, second, uh, the first That's different here. Yeah. That one in the fourth one isn't normally one of the ways to sit. Because in the last tashahud, it's supposed to be what they call tawarruk. That's these positions. That one isn't called tawarruk. 
That's normal. When you're sitting, sitting on your left one, propping up your right one. That's the normal sitting in the second one. These tawarruk ones are like when you're on your body, on your buttocks. So either propped up and under, prop, not propped up, flat under, in between the thighs under, that's the one mentioned. In, in jama'ah, in jama'ah when there's no space and you can't manage it, then you're right. Then you sit like that, like the second one. Then like the second one. When there's no space and you can't manage it because that just takes slightly more space sometimes then. You have to sit on your buttocks like this, might not be space, too squashed. In that case, you sit down just like you were sitting down in the second tashahud or in the first tashahud. Same then. In that case, the same. With the third position, do you prop or not? That one, no prop. He says, no prop. And tafrij What is it in the translation? No propping up. No propping up. Huh? And um, with, with, with tawarruk, is there any sort of limit on how far you can skew your right uh, foot? Because some people, they skew it outwards, just how it comes out of the diagonal. Mm. And some people, they tend to bring it in because they're more flexible. And I remember seeing like a diagram saying like one's wrong and one's right, so I'm not sure. So typically the one bending out an angle, that's not how it should be done. The, when it's not propped and it is laid flat, it is laid flat, not going out to the sides. But it's not any of those things that would invalidate or make your prayer wrong or make any impact as such if it was slightly out this way or slightly out that way, that wouldn't impact on the prayer. But when you're laying it flat, it wouldn't be out at angles. It wouldn't be out in angles. It would be laid down flat as it mentions. Then, so these are three different ways to do the tawarruk. What if somebody says now, these three, all of them are in the Sunnah, Bukhari, Muslim, they're all mentioned. All these three different ways are all mentioned. So whichever one you choose, it's right. Whichever way you do it, it's okay. But can you do all of them in the same final tashahud? You start off with your foot propped up. Halfway through you decide, let me do all the sunnah. Then you take it down. Uh, near the end you decide, let me do the last sunnah as well. And you move your leg in between. In the same tashahud, can you do all of them? That is not right. In one tashahud, you should just pick one. Next prayer, you can do a different one. Next prayer, do the third one. Do them in different prayers, but don't try to do all of them moving around in the same tashahud. So in different prayers is okay, but not all in the same one. What do you recite then after the tashahud? Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad كَمَا بَارَكْتَ عَلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمِ وَعَلَىٰ آلِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِنَّكَ حَمِيدٌ مَّجِيدٌ So that is then what can be recited. And even with that one, there are some slight different words mentioned in some of the narrations. But that is basically the overall what is recited. Allahumma, when you say that, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Allahumma, what does it mean? It's like you're calling upon Allah. Oh Allah. Allahumma, it's like when you say, Ya Allah, Allahumma, oh Allah. So you are calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Salli ala Muhammad. Uh, that means like the praise and the salutations as they say. The salutations upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa ala Ali Muhammad. Who is Ali Muhammad? The family of the Prophet sallallahu so some of the scholars they say, Aluhu al-mu'minuna min qurabatihi, the believers from his family. 
Some of their family, they were not believers. His uncle, some of them, etc. They were not Muslims. So the Muslims from his family, they are alihi. That is what some scholars have said. Other scholars have said, this can include not just his family, but all of the ummah, the believers who follow him. All of the believers of the ummah who follow him. Alihi atba'uhu ala dinihi. All of the followers of Muhammad upon his uh, religion, upon the religion Allah has revealed. And that is what the scholars say is the most correct understanding. As-sahih anna alahu inqarunat bilatba' فَهِيَ بِمَعْنَى بِمَعْنَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ مِنْ قُرَابَتِهِ وَإِنْ لَمْ تُقْرَنْ فَالْمُرَادْ بِهِ أَوْ بِهَا أَتْبَعْهُ عَلَى دِينِهِ It gives examples of in certain contexts, it will mean just his family, the believers of his family, and in other contexts, it will refer to all of the believers. So this is, اللهم صَلِّ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِ مُحَمَّدٍ So you are making that dua for the Prophet ﷺ and all of the followers Upon that, the family of the Prophet ﷺ and all of the other followers. Then, كَمَا صَلَّيْتَ عَلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمُ عَلَىٰ آلِ إِبْرَاهِيمُ Just as you did that upon Ibrahim, you did that salutations upon Ibrahim salam and the people of Ibrahim salam. إِنَّكَ حَمِيدٌ مَجِيدٌ You are Hamid and Majid, meaning the one who is praiseworthy. The one who is given all of the praise and all of the goodness, all of that greatness and might and majesty, that great praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Innaka hamidun majid. So it's a great praise. Then also it mentions, وَبَارِكْ ala Muhammad, meaning put your baraka unto him. Give your baraka upon Muhammad sallam upon the sharia. Upon this religion, all of it, put your baraka unto it. And ala ali Muhammad, same as before, the family of the Prophet who are believers, and all of those who follow him upon that right way, put the baraka into all of them. So that is what you then recite. After that, the final recitation is what then? The recitation of the dua, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min a'adhab al-qabr, min a'adhab jahannam etc. These four things that you make dua about at the end. When you say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min a'adhabi jahannam, wa min a'adhabi al-qabr, wa min fitnatil mahya wal mamat, wa min sharri fitnatil masih al-dajjal. Four things you make dua for Allah to protect you from in the last part of the prayer. What are these four things that you're making dua to be protected from? The first one is from the Hellfire, then also punishment of the grave, then also the trials, fitna of this world and the hereafter, the punishment of the grave, etc. And other things that occur upon resurrection and hellfire, all of that comes into it, the trials of this life and the hereafter. And then at the end also the Dajjal, the severe uh, trial and fitna of the Dajjal. This dua, is it obligatory to recite at the end or not? Yes. Is it wajib or not this one? Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min a'adhabi al-qabr wa min a'adhabi jahannam. Sunnah or wajib or what? Scholars have differed about this. Some scholars they say it is wajib to read this dua at the end. Some scholars they say it is wajib to read this dua at the end. Others they say it is only mustahab. Most scholars, majority, 
They say this dua is mustahab. Even if you missed it, your prayer is okay. But you should. It's mustahab, recommended. You should read this dua at the end as well. That's what most of the scholars they say. And that's because there are many narrations where the Prophet ﷺ used to teach the companions to read this dua at the end. He used to teach them, read this dua and tell them to read this dua. So there are four things particularly in this dua. The first one is the punishment of Jahannam. Jahannam, what does the word Jahannam mean? Hellfire, but what does it mean? Jahannam means darkness. Jahannam, it means darkness. And that is the the point here. Jahannam is that fire and it is the darkness and the blackness of that pits of the hellfire. That is Jahannam. So you're asking Allah to protect you from that fire, to protect you from that hellfire, the hellfire which is 70 times hotter than any fire in this world. The hellfire when a rock was thrown in it, it was falling for years and years and years until it finally hit the ground, falling for years until it crashed, showing you how long and deep the hellfire is. Then secondly, from the punishment of the grave, we know the punishment of the grave is real. And in that famous hadith when the Prophet ﷺ walked past the two graves, he said they're being punished. In another hadith, there's a narration, one occasion, the Prophet ﷺ came out and it was near Maghrib time and he heard some noise. And then he said to Aisha, that is the screams of some Jews being punished in their graves. So certainly the punishment of the grave is real. And that is something you also ask Allah to protect you from. Thirdly, the trials of life and death. In life there are many trials Many difficulties, many hardships, many things that the shaitan tries to whisper to you. So you're asking Allah to protect you from all of those difficulties and whispers of the shaitan, the doubts and the desires about the world and money and different things, to protect you from all of those affairs of the worldly trials, and also the trials of death. At death, a person is very weak. And the shaykh mentioned something which happens at death. That it's mentioned in some of the, uh, by some of the scholars. He says it's possible at the time of death, the shaitan comes to a person, comes to a person in the appearance of your father or your mother. In the appearance of your father. Comes to you in the appearance of your father at the time of your death when you're dying. And he says to you, Ya Bunayya, my son, inna deen al-islami laysa deenan sahihan. The religion of Islam is not right. وَإِنَّ صَحِيحِ دِينَ الْيَهُودِيَّ أَوْ النَّصْرَانِيَّ Judaism, Christianity, they're the right ones. You're dying, your soul is exiting now, everything finishing, your mind is everywhere. And you see, you think it's your father talking to you. Shaitan, telling you, Islam is wrong my son, quickly change to Judaism, Christianity. And some people in that state of weakness and death, they may in their last moment, take these whisperings of the shaitan. That's a trial of death. So you ask Allah to protect you from these trials of death. And then the last one is the Dajjal, the trial of the Dajjal that will come. Uh, and there are many narrations about the Dajjal and how he will misguide the people. And the Prophet Sallallahu used to say that is the most severe of fitna. All of the Prophets and Messengers used to warn against that and warn the people from it. So these four things you make, dua, ask Allah to protect you from them and from ever being afflicted by them. That is the final dua in the prayer. And that brings us almost to the end of the prayer now. The final issue is going to be about the salam and the duas that you read after when you give in the salam. 
And then it comes to the chapters that are left about sujood uh, sahu When you forget something in the prayer, those chapters are going to come later, inshallah. What's going to happen now? We'll leave it short tonight. We were slightly struggling with time tonight. Next week it's uh, off, regrettably. I, I can't make it next week. The week after that is Eid. So two weeks holidays now. Two weeks holidays. Inshallah in three weeks. Uh, September 1st, 2nd, September 9th I think it is. September 8th or 9th or something. Next two Sundays are off. Third Sunday. The one after Eid. September 10th. 10th, September 10th, the one after Eid weekend. Inshallah, we'll carry on then. So two weeks, you can relax, revise everything. We'll carry on, inshallah.